0: 30 for 30 podcast presents the longest game. In the spring of 1981, the Pawtucket Red Sox and the Rochester Red Wings met for a minor league game. Over the course of 33 innings, the two teams would make history. This episode features archival sound, an accidental treble trove of the game's play-by-play broadcast and interviews with those who experienced it firsthand. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What's up guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, you see me out here in the dungeon. And as we have noticed weekly, every week you're in a different hotel room. When can we do our show from where we're supposed to do our show? We are on the road. (laughs) How you doing? Man, I'm
0: doing good. You know what that means, bro? That means we just working. Uh, Obviously, we saw you this weekend doing a great job again with John and Joe. I'm traveling around doing different podcasts and doing shows. But the one thing we always do, man, we make sure we make it here every Tuesday
1: for DC and RC. Coming up on this show, we go back to UFC 278 where we saw one of the biggest knockouts in history. We go one round with Brett Okamoto, our ESPN insider. Dude, Islam had a ton to say. Well, Brett Okamoto spoke to the champion, Charles Oliveira. We also tap and we tap out. But, Ryan, Charles Oliveira, we're calling him the champion, right? We're not going to go and do with yeah. the Arizona. He's the champ, right? Yeah, he's absolutely the champ, D.C. You know, I remember us uh,
0: being there that weekend, and obviously it was your Hall of Fame weekend, but to to, to get an opportunity – I'm sorry, it wasn't your Hall of Fame weekend. Obviously, that was when we were in Phoenix. But to get an opportunity to see Charles Oliveira up close that night against Justin Gaethje, man, he was every bit of the champion. You know, you had the – The the, the scale debacle, we're going to call it weight gate, maybe, that makes Charles Oliveira uh, no longer the champion right now, uh, technically. But to me, he's earned the right to be called champ, to be
1: called the champion, and Islam Makachev will be the contender. I cannot wait for that conversation with Brett Okamoto because Justin Gaethje said something very interesting the other day. He goes, I've been hit very hard before, but I've never felt anything like I felt when Charles Oliveira hit me. He said it was like I was getting stunned every time this guy got his hands on him, bro. And you know how tough Justin Gates yeah. is. But before we can do that, we got to go back to Salt Lake City, Utah, which, by the way, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. The arena is fantastic and all brand new. But we also got a brand new world champion in Leon Rocky Edwards. Doug, I want to know what you're feeling when that happens, because I know what we felt. You guys all saw it. What are you doing at home when you see Kamaru Usman fighting in the way that he was and he gets slept with a head kick like that by Rocky?
0: DC, I didn't see the kick, bro. I was actually watching in my hotel room on my iPad. And, you know, I'm listening to you guys just talk about how Kamaru has controlled the fight and he just has to finish. You know, you saying Kamaru won't back up when we're talking about all these things. And then all I hear is y'all screaming and I look up and Kamaru Usman is laying on the ground, his hands over his head, his eyes roll back uh, to the back of his skull. And, and that was one of those moments that made you love the UFC though, DC. That's why it's the most different sport in the entire world. A man can be controlled for four rounds and, and, and four minutes and still be the, the welterweight champion of the world. I think the other thing, to me that, that it says was, I remember talking last week and I said, can Rocky Edwards or Leon Edwards play on Kamaru Uzman's success, right? Can, can, will he ever get complacent at any point in the fight? And I'm not saying he was complacent there, but Leon continued to fight and he truly had a rocky moment, DC. I know you've oh. seen some of these crazy fights like this, but when you look at what Leon Edwards was able to do, literally snatch victory, from the jaws of defeat. How do you think he was able to maintain here as a fighter,
1: knowing that he had to get that one shot and then pull it off? RC, you know what's crazy about the whole situation was, we're speaking to Dean Thomas, right? He's the coach on the broadcast, and he goes, you can tell when a fighter's broken when they won't make eye contact with the coach. And Leon would not talk to his, he would not address his coach with his eyes. So, the coach is going crazy. He sounds like Mick from the Rocky movies too because the guy's English yeah. and he was yelling at him. Leon goes out there and he gives himself a chance. And I don't know if he threw that combination with the idea that it would land because nothing had worked from round two all the way on. But dude, he landed that shot perfectly. And I have seen him do this before. He has, This is not the first time that he has knocked somebody out with this kick. He has done this on numerous occasions with this combination where the guy is fighting you, right? They go, uh, they go right hand, they go left hand halfway, high kick over the top, puts you to sleep. It was crazy to watch, and the reactions were exactly justified because we had saw a guy who was clearly the best fighter in the world and he got knocked out and slept by Leon Rocky Edwards because Leon would not give up on himself. But I spoke to Kamaru Usman R- R.C. I spoke to him, champ, and I asked him, I said, How you feeling, my brother? Because, you know, Usman's a friend of both of ours from the show, and he's always been very gracious with his time. And, bro, he told me he's, like, at peace. He goes, everybody's more upset than him. And I'm like, how in the world are you dealing with this? He goes, DC, honestly, man, it's like, I just feel like this relief off of me. Now, Mike, it, Mm. it leads to this question. I was a guy that was a very, very good wrestler, right? But he wasn't the best. He wasn't like the Division One national champ, but he was very right. good. He was on the national team, but he wasn't the man. So becoming the man in the way that he was the man might have become a bit heavy because now you're getting talked about as the greatest of all time and tying Anderson yes. Silva and beating it. It's like mm. now we can go back to just fighting with, fighting and being a lot more free after getting done with that. But was very surprised to hear, hear him say he was at ease with everything. You know, it's Kamaru Usman was starting to have
0: different conversations though, DC, Kamara Usman was getting to that point where every conversation was about legacy. Every conversation was almost him continuing to build this resume that made him the best to ever do it. And I think when you start having, when you start having long-term conversations, sometimes things in the short-term can slip. And listen, let's not act like Kamara Usman wasn't prepared. Let's not act like Kamara Usman didn't go out and execute at a high level for all five rounds until that kick. And so I think when when you are him and, and I don't, I'm not a fighter and I'm not trying to put myself in the place of a fighter, but in a situation like that, you can go back, like I've I played games and you can go back and watch the film and say, you know what? For most of the game, I was great. For most of the game, I executed in the way that I was supposed to, I'm gonna build off of that and continue to look at those strengths. now a weakness has been, has been undressed, right? A a weakness has been revealed. I have to go now strengthen that. And I get to do that with a new fire, right? With a new opportunity because I'm the challenger now. The, 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 the 15 fight win streak, the no loss in the UFC, the tying Anderson Silva, all of that stuff is done. So when you talk, when you're talking to Kamaru Uzman, DC and you know he's going to have another shot to see Leon Edwards. How would you see that going down, or how would you see that matchup in the future? Is it where Leon's like, I'm the man, now I can go out and fight in a different way? Or does Kamaru say, I know what I did for most of this fight. I can
1: go out and win it again. Rocky said that he didn't fight his best fight. I saw him after the fight, and he was like, dude, I fought bad. And I still somehow managed to get it done. So he feels like he's the man. When you look at the opening odds, Kamaru Usman's a minus 350 favorite. (laughs) Like minus 350. He's a massive favorite over the champion. So I'm watching him, and I understand that he's going to be the guy that people expect to win still because of the way that the fight played out. And I told this to one of the guys that wrestled with his boat. He was so disappointed. I go, but think about how good Kamaru has gotten at this thing, man. He checks every single box. He has great cardio. He has great boxing. He has great speed. He can wrestle. He can do just about anything in the octagon. So, opposed to being sad for him, feel happy that your brother has gotten so good at this thing that he does that he's made himself the best fighter in the world. Here's the difference. Now he's got to deal with being knocked out, Ryan, and you don't know what that does to a fighter. Habib even said hmm. it yesterday when you get put out in that fashion, do you ever come back the same? So, my question to you is this. When you were hitting people the way that you hit people, which was absolutely insane, every single hit you did was illegal in today's football, but you ever get buzzed <laughs> so bad <laughs> you ever get buzzed so bad <laughs> that you kind of were like, No, I don't wanna do that again. You're, like, do you ever like cause it does it takes away that aura of invincibility when you get put out like that, that you start to question, do I really wanna go and hit somebody like that? Do I really want to go and fight and run the risk? Because what Camaro did technically, RC, in boxing is the right thing. He slipped off the right way. But mm-hmm. kicks too, so you can't do everything boxing in boxing terms. Well, the,
0: the first thing is this. I, I've been that guy, right? I, I've been the guy that, is, that has hit a player and that was knocked out on the field. And in truth, it actually doesn't hurt, you know, because you're out. And the the thing for me was, I remember it was 2012. We're playing Washington. I go to take on a fullback. He kind of hits me behind the head. Uh, I wasn't all the way out, but I was on the ground. I was concussed. I come back the next week. Things are fine. A week later, Kansas City Mm -hmm. Chiefs, I'm laid out in the middle of the field, unconscious. I wake up, and I'm wondering why people are over me. And I remember going through all the tests and all the different things. And what happened for me was, it was just natural that I was who I am that I was going to keep moving forward. I was going to keep hitting people. And I always knew if that changed about me, I was no longer myself and I was done with the game. And that's the question Kamaru Uzman is going to have to answer for himself. Do I still feel the same? Do I still feel I am the champion? I am of championship caliber. And do I still want it just as bad as I did mm-hmm. before I ever won yeah. the belt? And, you know, you mentioned talking to Kamaru Uzman, Kamaru um, you know, in the locker rooms. But you also got an opportunity to share a moment with Leon Edwards, champ to champ. Let's check that out. We wrote
1: your obituary. What? It's over. Yeah. I was like, it's over, though. And then this dude right here is like, give yourself a chance, Rock. <laughs> Congratulations, man. You deserve it. That was That was my best performance of all. No, I was, saying, was it, it, wasn't Yeah. The all- well, you won the fight. So. That was yeah. tremendous, man. Congrats. You guys deserve it. Yeah, you see, that's you an awesome moment, about, man. What was that like? It was good, but, but you know what was weird about it is because I think Leon understands I have a relationship with tomorrow, right? I've known tomorrow for a really long time. So when it, when, when he shook my hand the last time, it was a bit of an uncertainty of whether or not we would come together in a hug, but I kind of drew him in and said, hey man, look, I love what happened for you because I know, I know what you have been through. I know where you've come from. Dude, this kid came from nothing. This kid had nothing. His family had nothing. He's the first Jamaican-born UFC champion. And to win in that way, it's not about me and Kamaru's relationship in that moment. I can go deal with my relationship with my friend afterwards. But this is about you, Leon, and everybody's happy for you. Because dude left the Octagon RC. He's calling his mom crying. He's calling his Mm -hmm. son crying. His son who he had. So we trained him at AKA before the first Kamaru fight. And Kamaru beat him. But he never came back. He had just had his young boy. So um, very good moment for the champion to be able to just give him a hug and say, look, man, welcome to the club. You're a UFC champion forever now. Regardless of what happens next, you're a UFC champion forever. And I'm I'm, I'm happy for Leon Edwards. But I also will say this, RC, and it's kind of a, we, we spoke on my YouTube channel the other day, me and Rocky. And I asked him about this. I said, Jorge Masvidal says, if. Maybe him and I can run it. You know, finally, we can do the two pieces of uh, a soda or whatever it was, a biscuit. And, and I'm like, bro, don't fight him. Because for no, two I years, agree. when he, bro, when he was the man, right, he could not say your name. Now, all of a sudden, he's like, if you become the champ, he wants to put an into this thing. He should not fight Jorge Masvidal. See, he literally should just big league him and not even say his name. Because why would you yeah. do that when a guy snuck you backstage but then never fought you? All of a sudden, you're the man. He wants to fight you. And I like Jorge Masvidal a lot. He's a decent. He's a really good dude. But it's like, come on, Jorge, man. We got no better than that, right? Right?
0: Yeah. What's funny is, DC, you're so Louisiana. You're talking about dude snuck you backstage. Like, that's such a, that's such a boot thing to say. Because that's what we call it. When somebody <laughs> run up on you and hit you when you're not <laughs> expecting them to hit you. But I, I do agree with that. From Leon's perspective is, what do I have to gain from that fight? right now. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, who did get two opportunities against Kamaru Uzman, he didn't capitalize on those opportunities. And now he he's fallen out of the race for championship contention. And in my estimation, or my opinion, I believe Kamaru Uzman gets the, the first opportunity to at least get a crack at the new champ. Here is the one thing I noticed, DC, from you talking to Leon backstage. And you can tell me if you feel differently about this. I have played football games and won and been grateful for the win and also understood I didn't execute at my highest. We didn't execute mm-hmm. at our best, but we got the win. So you're like, hell yeah, man, we won the game and it, it's a big game. But you also went back and watched the film and said to yourself, I have to be better there, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I can't. I can't remain the champion with this type of performance. I want it to be better. Like, in a little bit, you don't feel like you lost because you understand what the end result was, but you're also not necessarily overjoyed when you're reflecting as an athlete. Did you feel a little bit of that from Leon?
1: I felt like Leon was was very happy about becoming the champion, but he reflected on the performance quickly knowing man, I was losing bad. Like, this dude was beating mm. me three rounds to one and was winning the fifth. So I think he understood that, and he understands the challenges ahead of him with Kamaru Usman and the rematch potentially at Wembley Stadium in London. That is going to be an absolute madness of a scene if that gets put together by Dana White. And if you hear that, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski got put together by Dana White to go to the Raiders. <laughs> Obviously, Dana White can put all kind of stuff together. You can put so anything together. He, <laughs> he can put anything together. So maybe we're going to Wembley Stadium for this third match, and I think it's going to be fantastic. But I believe that Leon will be better prepared, and Kamaru will be better prepared and more locked in. But, Ryan, as I think about last weekend and I think about Leon Edwards' knockout, how shocking it was, it leads to the question, Five greatest oh, crap, wow moments that you remember watching the UFC. I think if I think if I'm gonna start
0: with with five, it's gonna be Holly Holm uh, and Ronda Rousey to me. I, I just remember I just remember believing that at that point Ronda Rousey was untouchable, but I also kept feeling to myself Holly Holm has the perfect style to beat her. I didn't necessarily believe it would be that emphatic. I was also the same way when Anderson Silva finds a way to submit Chel Sonnen, right, that that would be number four for me. Anderson Silva submits Chel Sonnen. He finds a way to do exactly kind of what we saw Rocky do against Kamaru Uzman. I think number three for me is not an actual fight or moment. It's Habib the Morgan Medov and his team totally tearing up the arena after the Conor McGregor fight. That kind of, of, of melee after what was a fight that we had been Waiting on and waiting on and waiting on, he gets the he gets the rear naked choke. He jumps over the side of the cage. He's he's in the crowd. People, two piece and Connor inside the octagon. Like to me, that was just one of the the, the craziest things and craziest scenes ever. And it actually put Khabib the Morgan Met off on a more public level to me. Number two is Matt Serra and GSP, bro.
2: When I at Matt
0: Serra, man, and, and Matt Serra walked out there at GSP, who was just building this resume as this guy that was the most well-rounded fighter we had ever seen, bro, I couldn't believe it. And then he does like the one-handed cartwheel to, to finish it off. I was like, oh my gosh, like this dude who looks more like he should be on The Sopranos just beat one of the <laughs> greatest fighters in the world. And it was not hard. It was not challenging. And number one, and I know I go back to Anderson Silva a lot. Anderson Silva was on the 16 fight winning streak. Anderson Silva was the MMA to me. Anderson Silva did give DC the first moment that made him say that's what he wanted to do for a living. And people were saying leading up to the fight that Chris Weidman had a chance to win. And I gave him zero chance, DC. And I was ready for Anderson Silva to do his patented, I'm gonna drop my hands down to my side. I'm gonna use my head movement. And you won't be able to touch me. And when Chris Weidman connects with that punch and you see Anderson Silva's eyes roll to the back of his head, it was a moment I never thought I would experience. And it was almost the feeling I got when Ben Affleck's Batman actually beat up (laughs) Superman. And I thought to myself, this is just a millionaire with a funny tool belt and you're beating a freaking alien. That's what I felt like when I saw that fight.
1: It was literally some of the worst story writing I've ever heard in my life. Batman does not beat Superman on any planet. No one ever, beats Superman, ever, bro. <laughs> ever, bro. What are we doing here? Like, You got Ben <laughs> Affleck beating up on Batman. It's absolute nonsense. All right, I'll give you five. So I've got some of the same ones as you. But at number five, remember the first round of Frankie Edgar versus Grey Maynard 1 when Frankie yes. got knocked down seven times and somehow fought his way back to make that fight a draw. I had never in my life seen anyone dealt the damage that Frankie Edgar got taken, took in that first round, work his way back into the fight, ultimately save a draw. When the second fight, wait, no, no, sorry. It was Frankie Draw Frankie. But in the third fight, <sighs> knocked him out completely. So it was like to watch him take that damage in that fight, unbelievable. Number four for me. Anderson versus Chael. I was in Oakland, RC, and Chael had done everything he said he was going to do. He took him down over and over and over. In every round, it was just rinse and repeat. He would go forward, he would grab his leg, he would throw him on the ground, and he would hit him with ground and pound for five minutes. He would do just enough to make sure that the referee didn't stand him back up. at the Very last moment, Anderson Silva gets a submission. Number three, same one as yours, Khabib versus Conor. When that dude jumped over the side of the octagon, it was absolutely insane. And I will tell you, there's never been nothing more beneficial to anyone's career Bad than that for Khabib Nurmagomedov. Khabib went from like a million and a half followers to 11 million overnight, Ryan. Overnight, that dude gained 10 million Instagram followers. I watched it in amazement. Like, wow, Khabib's going to the next level. I could I I had seen some big things, but nothing like that. We got to go back to Australia. You got to remember that was a stadium show when Ronda Rousey fought Holly Holm, and when they walked out, Brute. Well, you know, Mike Goldberg said something to the effect of, "She's a rock star. She is like nothing we've ever seen before. She is the true definition of a star. She was put over on a level that we had never seen anybody put over on a level before." And then Holly wipes her out in the round. But not only did Holly head kick her. Holly won the entire fight. So that is yeah. why it's only number two. Number one for me, Leon Edwards. Because Leon Edwards not only won in a shocking way. Leon Edwards beat the best pom-pom fight in the world. Leon Edwards won after losing twenty minutes of the fight. If you put the time that Kamaru was beating him in the first round and everything that went on to the fourth round, he was getting beat. He was losing on every scorecard. There was no question as to who was going to win this fight. Head kicks him. With one of the most perfectly timed and perfectly set up combinations I've seen. And I'm sitting there watching. And as I said, Usman protects every box, RC? He's got every single skill. So to land that on him, you've got to do it exactly right. There is no luck when you get a guy like Kamaru Usman. It's not luck. It's technique perfect setup that gets a guy that can do everything. That's why to me, the stakes and everything else, Leon Edwards is number one. You know, DC, I think when
0: you look at the the top five on both sides, all of those moments are shocking. I think what's even crazier is there's more moments than that, right? Like we just picked, I guess you probably finished with eight different ones, but this is why this sport is taking over the world, because one, I believe that people can see themselves in some of these fighters, but also the way that they have like they show you how to get through adversity in one fight. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, Frankie Edgar. You talk about Leon Edwards. In order to come back from what they were dealing with in those fights, you not only have to be a special fighter, but a special human. But we have somebody who's a special insider. And you said that he got some conversation with Charles DuBronx, who we both believe is the champion, especially after we heard what Islam has to say. We're about to go one round with Brett Akamoto. We are welcoming in Brett Akamoto for one round with our very special own insider. My first question is this, though, bro, just straight up What were your thoughts this weekend? when you were watching Leon Edwards be crowned the champion after that head kick on Kamaru Uzma?
3: Ryan, I'll be honest, man. I, I've watched a lot of fights from press row, um, and I've watched a lot of fights in the back, and I've always just thought that I need to uh, not really show it a lot of emotion, which has been hard over the years, but I, just, I don't feel like if I'm on press row, like I should be going like this. You know. I just, I, just from a professional standpoint, I don't really think I, that's how I need to be, but I was sitting up in a suite where you're very familiar with, Ryan. I was sitting up at our yes. desk, and up there, you know, I'm surrounded by uh, just our colleagues and everything. And so I feel like I can just show it. And I'm not really cheering for anybody, but it was just my natural reaction. Like, I was just stuck like this. And I was, I was <laughs> kind of screaming. I was just kind of screaming. I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I literally <laughs> just sat there like this, probably for five minutes. Probably five minutes. I just sat yeah. there motionless. I, I was, like, in pure shock by that kick.
1: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Stand the test of time in the UFC. Because like I tell so many people, we started writing off this guy. Like, we, as a commentary team, we're on to the next for Kamara Usman. But I was literally yeah. 30 seconds from talking about what Hamza Chumayev would present as a challenger. But it's never over until it's over. But we got to go forward. Man, a couple of weeks ago, we had Islam Mahashev on the show. And this dude was dropping hot fire, talking about the champ, <laughs> Charles Oliveira. But you... You got to sit down with DuBronx. What did you take from that conversation?
3: Well, for starters, he said that the only reason he took this fight in Abu Dhabi, which, you know, is, is a lot to ask of the champ. I mean, the guy is coming off of a situation where she lost the title on the bell, uh, on the scale. And now it's, hey, go over to uh, Abu Dhabi and fight this guy that nobody really wants to fight. You're going to be an underdog, even though you're the champion. Everybody's talking about Islam Makhachev; His era is going to begin. And this guy said, you know, I took this fight because it leads to the big things that I want. And what does he want? He wants to fight in Brazil, uh, where he hasn't defended the title yet. And uh, he wants the Conor McGregor sweepstakes like they all do, boys. I mean, everybody wants to fight Conor McGregor. And I do actually think, though, that when you look at the situation, you project forward into 2023 – Charles Oliveira has a great opportunity to win the Conor McGregor sweepstakes. I truly believe that. And you can read his quote here. I like the narrative of him, of fighting Conor McGregor in Brazil. It would be perfect. We've been asking for this fight in Brazil, so hopefully it works out. I really do. That's the sole reason why I accepted the Makachev fight and the way in which he did is because he wants to fight Conor McGregor in Brazil. And guys, I think it's possible. I really do think it's possible. I know the more victories, the better the chances of getting that McGregor fight. So this is a step towards that fight.
0: Brett, you know, you, you've you been in the business a long time and, you know, I'm, I'm just starting, like I've always loved the sport, but now being in the inside, I'm starting to understand that this has turned more into a business, right? It's not necessarily just about the opportunities you get to be a champion. When you hear somebody like Charles Oliveira say, I took a fight against a very dangerous man on what's basically going to be his home turf for one reason of fighting Conor McGregor, what does that say about who Conor McGregor still is in this sport?
3: Well, of course, he, he is the money guy. I mean, it's it, you kind of walk around these different events and you're talking to people and, and they people are trying to strategize to get Conor McGregor. It's no secret, right? Jorge Masvidal has mm. done it. He came out and was talking trash to, to Conor McGregor. I mean, Max, Max Holloway would love that fight. Everybody is always kind of looking to see, like, could I win the Conor McGregor sweepstakes? What is the path to get that? Because they know it's a big payday. And at the end of the day, these guys are champions, but they're also prize fighters. They want the biggest payday. Normally, when I hear a guy like Charles Oliveira talk about, like, hey, the only reason I'm fighting this challenger is to maybe win the the McGregor sweepstakes, I don't like it. You know, because he's the champion. He has a responsibility to that belt to defend it against the best. But he has done that. He has done that already, and he's done it in very, very entertaining fashion. And so I think if he does go over there and beat Islam Makachev, Conor McGregor does not deserve a title fight, guys, but Charles Oliveira deserves a money fight against Conor McGregor. And that's why I personally would be okay with it. If UFC decided to give Conor McGregor a title shot that he does absolutely not deserve, it's okay because I would like to see Charles Oliveira get that opportunity, get that money. at something that he really wants.
1: You know, Brett, but if you look at the lower third there, Charles Oliveira will be facing Islam Makhachev. In Abu Dhabi, so let's die. Like, we got to move back a little bit, right, and talk about this. Of course, so I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you this: Has you ever seen what he said? Has he paid attention to all this stuff? Has he seen that? And what's his confidence level going into this fight? Because ultimately, there is no McGregor. There is nothing else. If you don't get through what happens in Abu Dhabi, so what's his feeling ah. in regards to how much Islam's talking right now?
3: Uh, I, I think it, it feeds into his competitive spirit, D.C. I mean, you know that all of these guys, especially the championship level, they're super competitive. Um, but the thing about Charles is that he's been hearing it, man. He's been hearing that he is a quitter. He's been hearing that, you know, Justin Gaethje yes. is going is to reignite that quitter in him. And he has been proving guys wrong all along. That situation that he went into in Phoenix, I cannot think of a diff- more difficult circumstance, D.C. He loses the belt on the scale when he felt like he made weight. You know, and then he's got to turn around and, and, and beat a guy like Justin Gaethje in Justin Gaethje's hometown. This is going to be the second fight in a yeah. row where he's got to face a challenger yeah. in the challengers, uh, basically backyard, you know. So, so he's been there. He's done that. He is not sweating Islam Makachev at all. I'm telling you that right now. And that seems probably crazy to the rest of us because we see Islam Makachev. We see the, the challenges that he presents. We see the betting line. You know, Islam Makachev is the favorite in this fight. But Charles Oliveira is bulletproof right now mindset. And I think he's going in kind of almost laughing a little bit. He's amused by some of the stuff that Islam Makachev and his team have said. He's aware that Habib Nurmagomedov is, like, very, very confident that his, his teammate, Islam, is going to win this fight. But he's going in thinking, that's what they've all said, guys. That is what they've all said against Charles Oliveira. And I'm still here. I'm the champion. And when I win this fight, maybe Conor McGregor. Because I'm telling you right now, Conor McGregor, for as long as he's been out of the sport and we're kind of questioning his drive or whatever – this this would feed his ego it would feed his ego it would feed his competitiveness Mm -hmm. for him to be able to walk back into this sport and possibly win a title in his first fight back i mean i think that the stage is set here for potentially this to happen guys
0: well the we we mentioned islam and 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 dubronx uh the one thing islam did say that i thought was hilarious was that charles doesn't speak english and that's why he's a bad champion and shouldn't be the champion and that was very ironic uh to me that because he he barely barely yeah, he was saying that Du Bronx wasn't a master communicator of the English language. But my friend Brett, you are, bro. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for communicating it in a way where even I can understand. We appreciate you, brother. This is one round with
1: Brett Okamoto.
3: Thanks, guys. See you on the course, DC.
1: My man, Ryan. You know, you know what's crazy about what Brett said was Connor. It would feed his ego to step back into a title fight. I don't know if you watch Better Call Saul, but Better Call Saul is a show about a lawyer, uh, the guy from, from Breaking Bad. Yeah. And yeah. when it was time for him to get sentenced, he asked for ice cream. The ice cream meant nothing more than he could up you so much that you could give him something like a specific ice cream, even if, spoiler, he's going to prison. It's like, he just wants to show you. For, but that, but that, that was his ego speaking.
3: That's Connor's mm-hmm.
1: ego. Conor's ego goes, I could leave this thing for years and come back and still get a title fight. So if guys keep speaking his name, how do you expect the UFC to just go, nah, we're going to turn away this money. Especially when you got a guy like Charles Oliveira, who would be willing to fight Conor in the type of fight that Conor McGregor excels in. Um, Big stakes going into Abu Dhabi. I'm telling you, man, Hashev is a very tough puzzle to solve.
0: No, it's going to be a great fight. And, you know, when you got two dudes like that, somebody might tap out, but it's time for us to tap in or tap out. And we don't have Corporate Jake this week. He's in Italy, but we got Corporate Air, and that's an even better name for <laughs> tap in and tap out.
2: <laughs> All right, fellas, Olympic gold medalist and current PFL Women's lightweight champ Kayla Harrison made a bold statement over the weekend in London. Take a listen. You guys know couple of things about queens, right? You got a queen over here? Yeah? Listen, I'm here to tell you that I am the queen, not of PFL, not of the 155-pound division. I am the queen of women's MMA. And if those three Brazilians will take off their track shoes and meet me, then you'd find out. Well, she definitely knows how to shoot her shot on the mic, but DC, tap in or tap out on Kayla being the queen of all women's MMA.
1: I mean, Kayla's a bad, bad woman, but I don't know if I can call her the queen yet because I haven't seen her fight anyone like that. But I love the way she gets on the microphone, and I love the confidence because why wouldn't she be confident when all she has done is smash people, but she is smashing people in the PFL. And when you start talking about Chris Cyborg, Start talking about Amanda Nunes, and I don't even know who the third Brazilian is. I think we got to really kind of kind of slow it down a little bit. But yeah, she's a bad woman. But Queen of Mixed Martial Arts, RC, I'm tapping out.
0: Yeah, I, I tap out for sure. And it's one of those things you don't want to say anything negative about Kayla because she's like two T Pain. All she's done is win, and so you can't say anything about her resume. But when you look at the people that she's fought, when you look at the opponents, when you look at the longevity of what some of these other women have done, have done, Kayla is certainly not the queen to me. And also this, you say Amanda Nunes, you say Chris Cyborg, you say Ronda Rousey, you say Valentina Shevchenko, in many places, people have seen those fights, they know who they've beaten, and those are the queens to them. You say Kayla Harrison, they say, ah, still a lot to prove.
1: We will. We know, right? Ryan, the diehards know, but yep. not everybody. Kayla's got a little work to do. Corporate Air, hit us with another one.
2: During the alternative broadcast of UFC 278 with the Gronks, Dana White dropped some major breaking news, but it was not about the UFC.
1: So I, I'm the one. I, I, I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And all hell broke loose, man. It was crazy. And, and, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal up. And there's so much story that goes... Along with this, behind the scenes, and I, I I was never going to tell that story till Gronk just said it. But uh,
2: yeah, and Dana, let me tell you what Brady
1: was not happy,
0: and
2: you just told the story. (laughs) (laughs) So Ryan, the folks want to know: tap in or tap out on Dana White being responsible for the biggest news of the NFL preseason?
0: I tap all the way in on Dana White having the biggest news of training camp. One, that's probably tampering, guys. Isn't that why Tom Brady just took a vacation? Like my, the Miami, Miami's owner suspended and fined because he wanted to bring Tom Brady on a boat oh. and Flores didn't want to go on the boat. And now he was supposed to be in mm. Vegas. And you remember when Tom said on uh, the barbershop, so you're sticking with that guy? Was that guy Derek Carr? I mean, could it be oh like my Derek God. Carr? Gonna be like Tom Brady and Devontae Adams right now? Bruh, Dana White is letting the cat out of the bag,
1: and I think some heads might have to roll with You know, Gronk Gronk kind of, like, teed him up a little bit, right? Gronk will, like, roll it out a little bit, and Dana will always just go. That's Dana. So Dana doesn't put himself into a tampering case and everything. talking about he almost <laughs> had both of them. That is, that is so crazy. I was listening like, what? I saw this on first take yesterday. I was like, Dana, uh, my goodness. But, bro, that was actually fun. The Gronk, had, the Gronk they would fight with the Gronks or Gronk cats or whatever they want to call it. It was pretty fun. They had a lot of guests. and Dana went out yeah. there and just said all kinds of stuff. But it's crazy, though, right? Like, who are you going to find? The owner of the UFC for trying to get some dudes to come play for the Raiders? Like, what do you do? DC, Dana talks like a man with a lot, a lot of money. You
0: know what I mean? Like, if you don't have that type of loot. If you don't have that type of loot, you don't talk like that.
1: ARC, and no consequence. And no consequence, yeah. right? There's no yeah. Roger Goodell above him to go and, like, really go, hey, man, that's tampering. Then it's like, yo, I'll say whatever I want, and I just go back to the UFC. Y'all can deal with all this. Drop a ball, leave. Corporate air. Got
2: another one? All right, Max Holloway's chin was undefeated until it finally met its match while flying with the legendary Blue Angels. And that G-force was just too much for the blessed one because he lost consciousness for a second. So, DC, tap in or tap out on taking an L from a fighter jet via pass out.
1: Anybody's passing out. Bro, they offered me to do this, and I'm like, I can't tell you no enough. I would never do that. I don't know why athletes do this. I don't know why they put themselves in this position to make themselves look like a fool because one's going to happen. You're either going to fall asleep like Max did, or you're going to scream like a little girl and they're going to just meme you all over the place. I've had enough memes made about me in my entire life that I don't need to go and fly with the blue angels. I'm tapping in. Max Holloway got knocked out as anybody would. Listen, I don't know what what am I
0: tapping in or tapping out on. What I'm telling you is I won't get none of them jets. I don't have anything to prove. I am not concerned with showing the world I can be tough. I watch Top Gun. Don't none of that junk look fun to me. So Max, who has the ultimate chin, has now been defeated by a fighter jet. I'm tapping out on going up. I'm tapping in on Max going to sleep. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not getting on them jets, DC.
1: I'm not getting on the Jets, and I'm also, hey, I'm, I'm in Vegas now for the Contender Series, and I also got to go tell Dana, man, you got to be careful with these NFL dudes because you find yourself <laughs> in all kinds of hot water. Though no, you got to be careful. Guys, that's another episode of DC and RC. My boy Ryan Clark is constantly on the grind. Hey, dude, you did a good job the other day on NFL Live. Your first time hosting this show. Congratulations. Man, thank
0: you, man. I appreciate it, DC. You know, it helps that I get the co-host with you Every week, obviously, been traveling with the pivot. We got an opportunity to drop Devonte Adams uh, today. We got more heat coming for you there, but DC and RC every single Tuesday on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Please tap in with what we're doing. We are having a great time talking about a sport that we both love so much.
1: RC and A, run them pivot numbers up. I'm over a million now. Let's go, dawg. RC, we got to a bill. <laughs> Hey, I what I'm saying. I, I love that. Guys, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast and on ESPN2, every week, watch DC and RC. We love your support. We love how much you guys have really shown and helped this show to grow. Until next time.